morning. Hey, we want to welcome you to Genesis Church. My name is Paul Mumaw. I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis, and uh, we're glad that you're with us today. This morning, uh, we're talking about Haiti, and we're celebrating the work that God has been doing uh, through this church. About 18 months ago, we sensed God leading our church uh, to partner with a great ministry in Haiti called Nehemiah Vision Ministries. Uh, now, many of you know and have come to know and love Esperon Pierre and his family. He's been a speaker here at Genesis uh, on a number of occasions in the past. Uh, they live in Port-au-Prince and serve with uh, NVM, Nehemiah Vision Ministries, which we often refer to as NVM. Uh, the focus of their mission, the focus of their ministry, is to transform the lives of people in Haiti through education, uh, through health and spiritual development. Uh, the NVM campus just outside of Port-au-Prince consists of a school, uh, an orphanage, a church that uh, they meet under a tent. It, it's made up of dining halls, bathrooms, offices, and a warehouse. And this ministry really emphasizes working with the youth, working with the children of Haiti, because they believe that if they can build up and if they can train and change the lives of the youth today, then Haiti can have a brighter future for tomorrow. Uh, when we decided to partner with MVM in the fall of 2009, we had no idea that just two months later, a catastrophic earthquake would devastate an already devastated country. Uh, Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. One report said that 230,000 people died as a result of the earthquake in January 2010. And some reports suggest that as many as 300, if not 500,000 people have died as a result of this tragedy. Uh, in addition, 1.5 million people have been left homeless. And the unemployment rate today in Haiti is around 75%. Now, I'm thankful that God chose our church uh, that he led us to be involved with this great ministry in Haiti, that even before this earthquake, God would invite our church to partner with a great ministry like MVM uh, to think that we get to play a small part in the great work that God is doing in this beautiful country. Uh, I'm so thankful that we get to serve there. Uh, in the past 18 months, we've sent four teams to Haiti. I've had the privilege of, of being on two of those teams. Most recently, 17 people returned uh, from eight days of work on MVM's campus, again, just outside of Port-au-Prince in a little village near a little village called Chambrun. Uh, this morning, you're going to get an opportunity to see some of the videos and the pictures, hear some of the testimonies from that trip. Uh, and in just a moment, we're going to take our offering. But before we do that, um, I want you to know what it means for us that MVM is a global ministry partner of Genesis Church. We believe that MVM, too, is also working to help people find their way back to God. And so we're excited to partner with them through prayer and through uh, mission trips. But at the same time, we see this as a great opportunity uh, to extend generosity and financial support to their work. Um, I want you to know what uh, we've been able to do through you. Uh, I thought you'd be interested in knowing that we as a church are currently serving, uh, supporting MVM with a $1,000 a month gift out of our general budget uh, to support their ministry cause and to coincide with the party that we're throwing here because of what's happening on the other side of this wall with our next building project. Uh, most recently, our outreach team recommended that we send a one-time gift of $10,000 over and above our regular support to MVM uh, to support them in some construction projects they have going on around their campus. Uh, that gift is on its way. Uh, your gift, our gift as a church, is going to enable MVM uh, to bring to completion some of the projects uh, that have been lacking funding. And I just think that's really exciting that even as we celebrate uh, the completion of our facility here at 1702 Pleasant, uh, because of what 
what God has blessed us with, we can turn and we can bless a great ministry like MVM and help move them forward as they seek to complete their campus uh, just in Chambra, right there in Chambra and Haiti. Uh, and so it's for reasons like these that we celebrate uh, when we take our offering here at Genesis Church. And so with that, I'm going to invite our host team to come forward and we're going to celebrate taking our offering today. Um, speaking of generosity, last week we wrapped up a series called Chasing the Almighty. And one of the things that I told you about was this great little book called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. Um, I've shared it with some of you. I know that many of you have read this book. Uh, those have come in. And we've got a number of these back at the Info Hub this morning. Uh, if you've never read this book before, if you'd have any interest, I'd encourage everyone to pick this up. Uh, but we'd like to limit it to one per family uh, or one per household. So if you leave today, uh, feel free to pick up one of these books that you've got to read it. And, uh, and I want to hear uh, how it goes for you. So please uh, share some of your experiences uh, with the book uh, with me. Take your Bibles, if you would, right now as we take our offering and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, go to verse 16, if you would. Uh, I want to take a few minutes with you here this morning uh, to remind you why we do this. Uh, why we take the time to support a ministry like MVM, to be involved with a place like Haiti. Why give energy? Uh, why give attention? Why send resources? Uh, to help people like these and to support such a cause. Uh, in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16, let me read a few of these verses here with you. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now the scene here in Matthew 28 is a mountain. Now there's no surprises in that. Jesus did a lot of teaching uh, in the mountains. But by the time we get to Matthew 28, Jesus has already died and already been resurrected from the dead. He spent 40 days on this earth with his friends and his disciples. And when we get to this passage here in verse 16, he is moments away from ascending to be with his father in heaven. But before he leaves, he invites his disciples to this place for some final instructions. Now, Jesus is ready to take his place at the right hand of God, the father. And while his work is complete, while his mission to the earth has been fulfilled, Jesus knows that there is still work to be done. That the condition of the world is not how he intends it for it to ultimately be. Jesus' mission, you know, was to take the world from the condition it was in. That was a condition under the rule of, of death, under corruption, under greed, and under sin, and bring it under his great love. And so this great work began with Jesus. Uh, it began with his birth. It began with his life and his teaching and his death and resurrection. But now... Here in Matthew 28, now that work is going to continue through his disciples. And today, and even for us, that work continues through us. It continues through you and me. It continues through this church. You know, the disciples were commissioned here to go into the world, to go into all of the world and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. They were commanded to go and make disciples of all nations. And so Matthew 28 is Jesus' mission. It's his commissioning for his disciples, but it's our mission too. This is our mission. This is our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ and as a church. Now, that's why our mission here at Genesis Church is helping people find their way back to God. It comes right out of this passage. 
You know, it's all about making disciples. When when we help people find their way back to God, we are making disciples. You know, we we do this as serving as Christ's ambassadors. You know, it's God making his appeal through us. We we are making disciples by being salt and light to this world. You know, it it means influence. Uh, It means sharing your story. It means sharing the love of Christ with people around you. It means inviting your friends and your co-workers uh, to come and be a part of this church. Uh, Again, it's a mission that involves words. It's a mission that involves influence in everyday life and every single thing that you do. But there's more. You know, being a follower of Jesus Christ, being his church in this world today means that those things that concern God, they concern us too. You know, and that means that while our mission is all about influence and about your friends and about your coworkers and neighbors, that it's a mission of love, it's a mission of compassion for the poor, the oppressed, the orphans, and the widows, because each of these has a very special place in the heart of God. And Scripture speaks on this very, very uh, clearly. Uh, look at a couple passages with me on the screen. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 and 7. God says this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Meaning, uh, this is the kind of life that I'm looking for from you. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and, and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? You know, when you see the naked to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. And then Jesus continued with this teaching all throughout his life, but specifically in Matthew chapter 25 Uh, Beginning in verse 35, uh, he was sharing a parable here, talking about here, here's what it looks like for you as you live. Here's what it ought to look like uh, for the church, for your mission as a church. Jesus said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now, about this time, a bunch of people turned to Jesus and asked, well, well, what did we do? When, when did we feed you? When did we give you clothes? When did we provide this strength for you? And then in verse 40, he says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of these least of these uh, brothers of mine, you did for me. Now, notice those words, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Those, those are strong words. You know, and that is why our mission as a church is helping people find their way back to God. It's a mission of reaching out to others. Uh, it's a mission of inviting your classmates or, or the person in your dorm, family members. It's uh, inviting the parent uh, on your kid's soccer team, you know, to have a relationship with Jesus. But it's also a mission of identifying people in our community who are hungry and thirsty and lost and hurty and continually asking, what can we do? What can I do? How can we respond as a church? What more can we give? You know, God is concerned about people who are far from him, who do not have a relationship with him. And he is concerned about people who are struggling and hungry and oppressed. And because these concern God, they concern us too. And so we're working hard as a church to take Jesus' mission for our church and our lives seriously in central Indiana, but in places like Haiti too. Now, to comment on this a little bit more, I want to introduce to you uh, this morning Barry Rodriguez. Uh, Barry travels all over the world, uh, living with others, telling the stories uh, through his ministry called World Next Door. And uh, so I want to invite Barry up. You can give him a hand as he comes. Have a seat, my friend. Thank you. 
Uh, Barry is the uh, son of Dave and Penny Rodriguez, and, and many of you may know Dave uh, as the lead pastor at Grace Community Church. And so, uh, Barry, I- I'm excited that you're here with us today and have an opportunity to share with us for a few moments, uh, because I feel like in what we're just talking about here for a few minutes, the why, the why question, why go do what we do, why be involved with a place like Haiti or for the poor or the oppressed, you know, wherever that may be, that you really bring an edge to this. Uh, would you just take a moment, would you tell people what you do, why you do, and just kind of the mission of World Next Door? Sure, yeah. Um, so I have the coolest job in the world. Sorry if you thought your job was cool. I get to travel around the world and live in villages and slums and homeless on the streets of New York and all this really cool stuff. I get to go do that and then tell the stories of, of two things. One, uh, what is life really like in those places? And two, what is God doing in those places? Um, and the whole goal of all that I'm doing is trying to get suburban Americans connected to issues of social justice, like hunger, AIDS, poverty, etc. Um, and so I, I go and I partner with organizations that are on the ground that are working uh, to bring an end to injustice in their communities, and I tell their stories. Um, and we do it all through an, what I call an online social justice travel magazine. So there's a little bit of humor, there's some cultural stuff, and then there's also some of the more uh, heavy injustice kind of stuff. So, And you yeah. do that through pictures, and you do that through writing. I think we're going to put some of the pictures that you've taken yeah. on the screen. And, yeah. and how long have you been doing this now? Well, it's been about two years since it started up. Um, we started up with just you know a tiny little blog and a few a few readers, and now it's grown quite a bit. And now we've we're getting ready for our next summer internship, and we've got all sorts of people applying for it, and we've got a lot more readers, and it's really cool. So, say it again because I, I love what you said about uh, making the suburbs aware. Say that one more time again, just so we can hear that. Yeah. Well. We are operating under the principle, the idea that um, the suburbs of America are the greatest untapped resource in the, in the struggle for social justice in our world. I mean, think about it. We've got, of all the people in the world, we've got here in the suburbs, we've got the people who are the most educated, the wealthiest, the, the, uh, they have the most ability to travel, they're really creative. But most of our lives as suburbanites are spent buying TVs or a new car. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal of our life is more stuff. But if you took all of that potential and unleashed it on, on caring for the poor, caring for the marginalized, um, bringing hope to places like Haiti, um, I feel like we could, we could make a radical difference in this world. And so that's why instead of just kind of writing off the suburbs and going to you know, work in a refugee camp somewhere, uh, I'm making it my mission to bring the suburbs along with me and to, and to, um, to get people involved in that way. And so through worldnextdoor.org and this online magazine that you have, people have the opportunity to read and to follow along and to hear some of the things that you're learning. Um, when, when you think about specifically the church in the United States, but let's just talk about Genesis Church specifically, um, why? I mean, uh, uh, basically, according to what Jesus has said, the mission that he's given to us to go into all the world and make disciples, uh, how would you communicate that? Why, again, is it important for a church like Genesis to be involved? Sure. Well, yeah, I hear the question a lot. Okay, you know, yeah, sure, it's nice to go help people in other places, but it's really, they're not in our neighborhood. What's the point of spending all that money to go? What's that point in sending all sorts of money out there? Um, but the answer that I always give is just this. Like, when you look at Bible times, for example, when, when Scripture was written, the richest person in a city 
lived really close to the poorest person in a city, um, the wealthiest person living in a mansion on a hill. Uh, you know, going out to the market, they'd be passing by people who were beggars or cripples or people who did not have any value in the society. And so it was, when you read some of the commands of scripture, the least of these and giving people a drink of water, all that stuff was so tangible because back then, even if you were the poorest or the richest person in the city, you, you still had access to the least of these. Today, we can go our entire lives without ever rubbing shoulders with someone who would be considered truly poor or marginalized. Um, and yet, and yet, I don't think we're off the hook because today we are still living in this global village. Sure, we don't see people who are poor, but imagine, I mean, where did you get, who, who made the shoes that you're wearing? You know, who picked the banana that you ate for breakfast? Um, we are in, in many ways connected to the lives of the poor and the marginalized. We just don't necessarily see it. And so even if we, uh, even though um, the, the mountain has gotten a lot bigger, we're still living in the mansions at the top of the hill and the poor are still struggling right below. And it's our responsibility as followers of Christ and as people with resources to respond and to, um, to help to bring justice to the world because it's within our power to do. Yeah. And it really is so easy. I mean, even in a place like Noblesville or Central Indiana, as important as our mission and our ministry here, and we don't want to minimize that in any way, um, to kind of live in a bubble. And, you know, sure, we have our challenges, and there's poor and there's poverty around us, but compared to the rest of the world, um, we, we, do, we do sort of live in a bubble, and, and so that's why it's important, you know, to get outside of our bubble and see some of the things that are happening. Um, where have you been? Tell, tell us, just list off some of the places that you've had the privilege uh, of traveling to. Well, some of the cooler experiences have been um, a couple summers ago. I lived in a um, I lived in a slum in Nairobi for five weeks, um, the biggest slum in East Africa. And, I, and so, uh, when you say live in a slum, like it like wasn't I lived like in you a shack in the hotel and no. walked to the slum every day. Like. No, I lived in the shack and I ate local foods and you know that kind of thing. That was pretty cool. Uh, I lived in a village out in the mountains of Panama, in central Panama. Um, I uh, have been I've slept out, out in villages out in the middle of India. Um, I lived homeless in New York City for four days and, and uh, by myself, and that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and then most uh, in Haiti, I lived with a family, just th- this most recent trip, I lived with a family in one of the tent villages, um, and I think there's a picture of them. Uh, I lived th- this family right here. They live in a tent, and I stayed with them for about a week and a half and um, just lived in the tent, and um, it's a really crowded, crowded little slum of 10,000 people, little refugee camp. That's where I stayed. Yeah, and what we're talking is an IDP camp, yes. which stands for Interdisplaced Persons, mm-hmm. basically no home, nowhere right. to go. Yeah, their home was destroyed, and, and they live, along with all these other people, they live in this crowded little tent. Um, they have about six kids, and they all uh, cluster together at night, and the father often would just stand and hold the, the roof up when it rained so that it wouldn't get the kids wet. Yeah. What, how, how long were you there? What, what was that experience like for you? I mean, what did you learn? How did you see God working even in the midst of all that? Well, I mean, the, I lived there for a week and a half with this family. Uh, off and on, I kept coming back. and I'd go for two days or three days and then go back and write some articles and then come back to <laughs> that back and forth. Well, the story that, that absolutely stuck with me was when we first got there, um, now, I know this family is very hungry. They're very, um, they have not had a lot of food. The father is a tailor, but no one's getting their clothes mended, so he doesn't have any work. And uh, when we first got there, um, we greeted, you know, the mother of the family, and then she disappeared, and we didn't know where she went. So we were just talking with the father, and then out of nowhere, here comes the mother, and she had these two huge plates heaping full of rice and beans because she wanted to, to be hospitable to her guests. And um, I was blown away. I thought, okay, 
you don't have to feed me. We, I can, I've got money. I can go buy food. You don't have to, you know. It was the most humbling moment of, of my recent memory just to have, to be the one who was being taken care of by a family that had nothing. Yeah. And, and I love your, your edge in this, Barry, because like you said, you, know, you don't want to be a doom and gloom kind of a writer. I mean, you do want to open people's eyes and help them understand how bad it can really be, but you're always looking for that message of hope. You're always looking for Jesus. You're always looking for God working in these situations. Right. I tell our, our summer interns, I tell them, if you send me an article and it does not end with hope, I will send it right back. It is a lie. With the world next door, you have to end with hope. Because you know what? Who's going to get involved with a ministry that they because they read an organ read something about them and, and there's no hope like there's it's a hopeless situation okay good well, i'll send my money that to that no of course not and nobody's going to do that so um, if you have no hope yeah. what's the point and you've worked with NVM, Nehemiah Vision Ministries, uh, on a number of occasions. And, and I know that even some of our past teams, I think one of them overlapped with you and they had some time uh, with you. What encourages you about MVM uh, and what they're doing in Haiti right now? Sure. I mean, biggest thing is the fact that they're there and they're not going anywhere. They're, they're indigenous-led. Pastor Pierre is a Haitian. He's not going anywhere. He's dedicated his life to that. There's a lot of other aid organizations that, that came in and did a lot of good after the earthquake, but most of them are pulling out. NVM's not going anywhere, and they're only growing as everyone else is, is leaving. Um, they are very holistic. They're in this uh, community, and they're not just coming in to say, okay, we're going to bring this sort of water purifier to the whole country, or we're going to do um, this one initiative, or we're just going to make a school. No, they're holistic. They do everything for this one village. They have a school. They have an orphanage. They have uh, water and agricultural stuff and all sorts of different things. They're going to be bringing this whole village out of poverty, and they're making a model which is slowly being replicated across the entire country. As people see how their uh, the, the effects that they are able to have on this village, it's starting to have its uh, have an effect across the country. And it's really amazing what's happened there, even in the past year, and how God is preparing this ministry even to respond to the earthquake. Again, there were needs before the earthquake, but obviously great and unbelievable needs now. Um, what would you say to us? Um, as you see MVM, as you see what's happening in Haiti, how would you encourage us as Genesis Church to continue being involved? Why does it matter that we're involved with an organization like MVM? Well, I think one of the main, the main problems that we have is that once we see a problem, our heart can get tugged. We see earthquake in Haiti. We see all that, you know, and we think, oh, I want to do something. Most of the time, what we'll end up doing is looking for something that's just going to kind of ease our conscience a little bit. We want to find a place where we can send some money so we don't have to feel bad about it anymore. Um, but the problem is that's so short-sighted. We send a little bit of money and then we feel better, but the problem doesn't go away. Um, and so I think having a, having a partner like Nehemiah Vision Ministries that's going to be there on the ground, that's going to continue to, um, to be a resource, um, they are, in a sense, our arm for reaching Haiti because we're able to partner with them and give them support and, and let them do what they do. And even if we um, are going on with our lives and we're not spending every waking moment thinking about Haiti, we know that Nehemiah Vision Ministries is there. And because of our support, they're able to continue doing their work. Um, so it's not a short-sighted thing. It's a long-term thing. Yeah, and we want it to be a long-term thing for us, too, that we're not just doing this for a year or two and then we're going to check out and go do something else. 
No, I see, and I believe that our church sees, hey, let's be involved long term. Uh, let's be there and see what happens over the course of many, many, many years and how we can support and be involved. As we think specifically about like, okay, what can I do? Because we're going home this afternoon and we're going to watch a basketball game and whatever. But there are things that we can do now uh, as individuals and as families. And you and I were talking about some of these this past week. And if you're taking notes in the bulletin, we've got a couple of things you can write down here. Like, what can you do now? I, I think the first thing, uh, and it's an easy answer, but it is the most important answer, and that is that we can pray. Uh, and we can pray very specifically for what's happening in Haiti and God's work there. Uh, Acts chapter 12 describes a time when Peter was put in prison unjustly and the church gathered together to pray and he was released. And, and so our prayers matter. When we pray, God listens and he's ready to respond. How would you comment on that for us, Barry? How would you encourage us in our prayers and in our individual prayers for MVM and, and the stuff happening there? Sure. Well, I was thinking about this just the other day and I realized, okay, if you pray every day to see, to, for the problems in Haiti to come to an end. That's a good prayer, but you're never going to see it answered. The fact is you're going to pray all, you're going to give a lot of your energy to pray for something that big, but you're never going to see the prayer answered. If you want to see your prayers answered, pray specifically. Pray for Bibito, that little boy that I just saw. Pray for, uh, for Fedelin, these little kids that you can meet through NVM. Pray for the, the people in that village and their parents. Um, pray f- for the work of Pastor Pierre and his family. Uh, by praying for super specific things and praying for the village of Shambron, you can see your prayers answered. You can see the, uh, the effects of your prayer and your support. And so um, make your prayers specific, and, and uh, you'll be able to not only know that God is working, but you'll be able to be encouraged to see it, see the results yeah. firsthand. And you can pick up some information on how to pray. We, just outside of these doors to the right, we've got a table set up, you know, because praying for Esperanto and his family, I mean, he's a, he's a very talented, a very gifted, a very well-educated man. He speaks several languages. Uh, he, he could come to the U.S. and make a great living and do some great things, but God has called them to be in Haiti. And so we can pray for their family. We can pray for their kids too. Uh, another thing that you can do that we can do is to give. And we've talked about that. And I'm excited that Genesis is being generous and uh, giving monthly, giving special gifts to the work there. Uh, but there is a way for your family to get involved even more so. Uh, again, uh, Haiti or MVM is very committed to working with children. And they have a growing school and a growing orphanage. And there are, are medical needs. And there are needs to help feed these children and to clothe these children. Uh, MVM has a child sponsorship program. And And I know that we've got many here at our church that are already sponsoring a child. But again, back at our table this morning, we've got sponsor packets. Uh, You can take a child uh, and you can pray for them. Uh, You can give monthly support, which is preferred. That's really the ultimate goal there uh, at $40 a month to help provide just for everyday basic needs in that school and in their life uh, and with their care. And you can do that today. And I hope that you'll go check it out and ask some questions about that. But again, it also gives you the opportunity to pray specifically uh, for your child. And one of the cool things, too, is many people from here as they've gone down have had the opportunity to meet their child uh, firsthand. But sponsorships matters. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, sponsorships, I couldn't think of a better way, especially a sponsorship with an organization like NVM, one that we know is trustworthy. They're going to be taking care of our money. They're not going to be putting 30 of those $40 into administrative costs. That $40 is going right for that kid. We, you can trust that because we know NVM and we've been there and we've seen it. Um, but the cool thing about sponsorships is that it involves you in the story of an individual. And by drawing your own life into the story of another individual, um, you're going to find yourself, your heart will be changed as well. And you're not going to be only changing their life, they're going to be changing your life. And that um, is, the, is the key, the real key, if you want to see long-term impact um, through your own gifts and your own time and your own energy. So pray, uh, give. The third thing is go. 
And uh, I know that that challenges everyone and that makes uh, some think absolutely no way, but some of you are like, absolutely, I want to do that. I hope to do that as soon as possible. Uh, we want to give you an opportunity. It's one of the ways that we want to partner with MVM is to be able to send trips. It's kind of a, a prerequisite for us. And so we've sent four already. Uh, we have the next one scheduled, August. I believe it's August 2nd through 9th. Information is in your uh, program. Uh, and we've also got application packets back at the table to help get you started in that process. And then we've even got another team lined up to go next January. And so our hope is two to three times a year to be able to send teams where we can go down and serve and see it firsthand. But why is it important to see it firsthand? Until you have smelled it, and, and tasted it and, and walked among it, I don't think poverty is ever going to truly, you're never going to truly get it. You, you've got to let yourself be wrecked to, to really, really understand. Um, but I would challenge, challenge and say it's not, you don't have to go. You do not have to go to make a difference. It helps a lot if you're going to get in for the long term, absolutely. And I'm a huge advocate for short-term trips and for uh, having those experiences. But, but not everybody can go. Not everybody can go, you know. I have a five-year-old niece. She's not going to be able to go to Haiti. I've got, you know, there's, there's people for health reasons. They're not able to get on planes yet, whatever. There are, but, but there, is, there are ways for you to directly influence the lives of the, of, of the people in Haiti. And I've got this really cool story. It happened from my own church, um, uh, Grace Community Church. But uh, when I was in, living in, this, in, in the tent with this family, um, I was sitting outside one night, and it was kind of it was kind of cool. So we were all sitting outside enjoying the. It was cool the, in Haiti, really. In the evening, <laughs> yeah, after a really hot day. So we were all just sitting out enjoying the breeze. And um, they came and they they gave me this cardboard box to sit on because they didn't want me to be uncomfortable. Again, very hospitable yeah. people. And uh, I looked at the cardboard box and it said "Kids Against Hunger," and I thought that's strange. And I looked at the date of when it was when this box had been packed. Kids Against Hunger. They they um, pack these um, fortified rice packets and then they send them down in boxes and, and we get... did that this summer oh and you uh, guys did Lowe's that parking okay, lot yeah. too yep yeah and um our church did that as well and i looked at the date and realized wait a second that's the date that grace church packed those bags my five-year-old niece was there that day and i realized that the box that i had that I, that I was sitting on was a box that had been packed full of rice and stuff by people from my own church and here i was in the middle of an idp camp in haiti uh with a box that had been packed by people from from Noblesville, Indiana. So not only did a family get fed and maybe multiple meals, right. but also at the same time you had something to sit on too and how cool that, that <laughs> God even worked in that little situation, you know, for you. Oh, it was, it was an incredibly moving moment just to realize, wait a second, uh, these, we are connected. We can be connected if, if we're willing to just spend a little bit of our time and energy um, caring for the poor and the marginalized. You awesome. can do it. Awesome. Pray, give, go. Now, we're going to talk about that a lot. It's going to kind of become a little bit of our heartbeat of who we are when it comes to reaching out, not only in our community, because uh, there are a number of things for us to do right here in central Indiana, uh, but in our ongoing partnership with a, a great ministry like MVM in Haiti. Uh, Barry, thanks to you. Thanks for all that you do. Uh, we appreciate your ministry and your support. Uh, check out what they do on worldnextdoor.org. They've also got a table set up. Uh, you can go and just learn a little bit more about this great ministry. Um, we're going to continue on. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Uh, we're going to show you some pictures and some video. You're going to hear some testimonials of some of our recent uh, trips to Haiti. Uh, we're going to worship together to close out the service. Uh, before we do that, let me pray for us and pray for Barry and, and for this ministry and MVM too. Uh, God, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for who you are. Uh, we thank you for Jesus and that he is so worth it. And uh, we pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us as a church, uh, as individuals, uh, as we seek to carry out the great commission that you've laid before us. 
I pray that it would be our driving mission for our neighbors and our friends, the people around us that are poor and marginalized, and for the people in Haiti too. And uh, God, we celebrate this morning uh, the little work, the great work, uh, the little part that we get to play in all of this. And we thank you for the stories and the lives changed so far. In Jesus' name, amen. God kind of called me. I was ready. We all go to our houses and we sit down in front of our TVs and we see the earthquake in Haiti. We hear about the hurricanes that went through. Uh, we, we have also in our hands a remote control so that when we get tired of that, we can just hit the button and change the channel. Uh, and so to go to Haiti uh, like we did, you don't have a remote control in your hands, so you can't change the channel if it gets a little uncomfortable and what you see is is really challenging to your heart or to your mind. There are a lot of people in Haiti who know God and have that relationship with Him, um, but they don't have anything. Um, and that's something that I feel that um, Jesus has called us to go down and help with um, basic needs. I hear a year later they still are looking for food every day. They're still trying to figure out how they're going to make it. But very encouraging to see what is going on in Chambrun as a result of what Nehemiah Vision Ministries is up to down there. It's, it's really challenged us to come back to our house and, and to our everyday life and uh, appreciate everything we do have with uh, a different understanding and a totally different perspective. They have nothing. The kids have nothing. The parents have nothing. They sleep in mud huts. But they are so happy, and Christ is alive and well in Haiti. Um, I think the most powerful thing for me when I was there was we've been sponsoring a little boy. We called him Peter. He goes by Wend, and uh, so went to the orphanage to meet him. And <laughs> it was it was awesome just to kind of put my arms around that little guy. And I'm sure he didn't know what was going on. Big white guy throwing his arms around him, but it was powerful. You don't understand Haiti until you soccer with a bunch of kids you don't know and they're running around through the thorn fields barefooted and you're just trying to keep up you don't really understand Haiti until you see um, the love that these people have for each other for the outsiders that come and help and, and, and for their God and um, unless you go you, 